And oh, I, oh, okay. You can hear me now. Is it all right? Yeah. I'll just put this here. Okay, that's better. Hey, my name's Adam, and uh, it's my pleasure to bring you the word this morning. Me and a few people have tried to get together and organize a workshop for people that are afraid of commitment, but we've been really struggling to nail a date down. It's a joke. You can laugh. It's okay. Um, last week, James gave us another installment in um, the theme that we've been talking about a lot recently, which is discipleship. And I know that as a church, we're really invested in that, and a lot of us are already uh, targeting people who we can disciple, who we can love well and share the love of God with. And also, Ashish spoke to us uh, a couple of weeks ago about holiness and about as we, as he used some examples from the Old Testament prophets and the Old Testament priests, and how we are a kingdom of priests, is what it says in the Bible. And we are called to worship and to intercede and to represent God to those people, to others on earth that don't yet know him. Um, but there's one thing that's kind of been on, on my heart and on my mind, um, which hasn't had so much kind of focus on it recently, but I think, Lee, you really led into that really well this morning, so thank you, and that is about commitment, and it's a word that not a lot of people like, to be honest, particularly in our time. People always, people are hesitant to commit in case something better comes along, or in case they change their mind, or in case they may, in case somebody else says something against it. They're like, oh no, it's, yeah, it's okay. Oh, okay, yeah, I'll change my mind on that. And people, like Lee said, people want truth, and some, to get truth, you have to commit to, your, to, to the truth. And uh, So that's kind of what I want to to talk about this morning, I want to talk about commitment, the importance of commitment, how do we commit, why should we commit, and uh, I've got some great biblical examples for you, so we're going to get stuck into the word this morning. Does that sound okay? Good. Okay, so my first question is, what is commitment? I feel like we could probably define it quite well. And uh, sticking with something regardless of whether something better comes along or even if you don't feel like it one day, my marriage is a commitment. I made a choice in front of all of my friends and family a few years ago to say I'm committing to my wife whether or not she is nice to me a particular day, whether or not I feel like it, I have made a commitment to stick within that marriage, and there's lots of other things that we commit to that we can commit to. So have a little think about this morning. What are the things that you have committed to that maybe you haven't yet committed to that you're thinking about committing to? Um, obviously, this is in a faith capacity, but not just in a faith capacity as well. There might be other things that you feel like you need to commit to or decide not to commit to. I'm going to read a scripture. This is from Isaiah um, chapter 30 and verse 18. So a little bit of a little bit of Bible overview. If you don't know your Bibles too well, the Bible's in two halves, Old Testament, New Testament. Old Testament is 
the history of the Israelites, God's people, and the New Testament is um, after Jesus came and what happened after that. So Isaiah is a prophet from God's people, the Jews, and uh, he was called by God to speak truths to God's people. And he says this, chapter 30, reading from verse 18. So the Lord must wait for you to come to him so that he can show you love and compassion. For the Lord is a faithful God. Blessed are those who wait for his help. O people of Zion, that's the Jews, who live in Jerusalem, you will weep no more. He will be gracious if you ask for help. He will surely respond to the sound of your cries. And then from verse 21, your own ears will hear him right behind you saying, this is the way you should go. So God is showing us which way you should go. If you are a Christian, if you've invited the Holy Spirit to come and live in your heart, then you have the mind of Christ within you. Some would refer it to as a conscience, but it's, it's more than that. It's the Holy Spirit, and he's telling you, this is the way, walk in it. So if you're thinking about those commitments that you're not sure if I'm going to commit, I'm thinking about it, or maybe I've committed and that was maybe the wrong choice, then if you've got the Holy Spirit in your heart, I would say that you probably know if that was a good commitment or not, and if you should commit or not. So I want to encourage you to first step, decide what you're going to commit to. My second step is... Once you've decided what you're going to commit to, let your yes be yes and your no be no. There are two instances in the Bible, Matthew 5:37 and James 5:12 that both say let your yes be yes and your no be no or just say a simple yes. You don't have to pinky promise, you don't have to swear on a Bible. You just say, "Yes, I commit to that." And that should mean that you're going to commit to that thing and you can decide to stick to it. Um, Lee said, let him take his place, as we sung in that song. So let's decide to let, in, that, in this context, let Jesus take his place. Uh, the book of Proverbs is another book in the Old Testament. Um, it's written by one of the kings of, of Israel. And it's just kind of full of really good one-liners and good life advice. And uh, one, what I want to read to you today, Proverbs chapter 4, uh, verse 25. Look straight ahead and fix your, eyes on, fix your eyes on what lies before you. Mark out a straight path for your feet. Stay on the path. Don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from evil. I would say that. If you're struggling to make a decision with a commitment, that it is better to choose and maybe be wrong and have to recorrect than to wait in indecisiveness. I want to encourage you guys today. If you're not sure, I would say it is godly to make a choice. He has given us the power to make our own choices. That's called free will. And I would encourage you to Exercise that in making good choices and don't sit in indecisiveness or say, oh God, I'll, I'll make a commitment when you give me a sign or when this thing happens and then you're putting an onus on God, I would say, 
make, make a decision. Make a decision to follow God and stick with it. You can tell when you've made a decision by your actions. You can tell what people are committed to by their actions, what they spend their time doing, and when things are... You can tell that you've made a decision by, your, uh, by sticking to it. And you find... At the beginning of the year, I spoke about um, priorities. I spoke about, let's prioritize God in 2022. And if you look back, maybe between then and now, or over the last year or so, and you think about what have I spent the most time doing or thinking about, then that is what you have committed yourself to. And maybe that's what you meant to commit yourself to. <laughs> or maybe it's not quite what you meant you, that you were going to commit yourself to. But you can tell what you've committed yourself to when it comes to crunch time about if something happens that challenges your commitment, that is when you have to think to yourself, okay, am I going to stick to this? Am I going to be steadfast in this decision that I've made? When I maybe don't want to do it anymore, or well, maybe I'd rather do that, or I'm just not feeling it today. You can tell what you've committed to by how steadfast you are. I want to read you a Bible story that gives an example of being steadfast. So uh, I'm going to let the word kind of dictate the rest of what we're going to talk about. So this is the whole chapter. I'm going to read to you Daniel chapter 3. Daniel was a prophet in the Old Testament times. He was I read Isaiah later. Daniel comes after Isaiah. So the book of Daniel was written about 500 years before Christ. So about two and a half thousand years ago. So to give you a little bit of backstory, if you don't know your Bible history, because not everyone does, the, the Israelites, the Jews, God's people, had been taken from their land, Israel, and they'd been captured. Uh, captured by the Babylonians, King Nebuchadnezzar. And they'd taken the Jews and they'd taken them all to Babylon and uh, they'd made them their, their servants and they live among them and they don't have their own, their, their own rights anymore. They live in Babylon. <clears throat> and Daniel was a prophet. He was from the Jewish population, but he was living in the Babylonian exile. So I'm going to read Daniel chapter 3 for you. King Nebuchadnezzar, this is the bad guy king, made an image of gold 60 cubits high and six feet wide and set it up in the province of Babylon and he summoned all of his prefects and governors and all the provincial officials to come to the dedication of the image he had set up. So everyone assembled for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And they stood before it. I don't know if we got a picture of what kind of... I had an artist impression. Someone drew a picture of what this statue might look like. It's about the size of a whale. And it's made of lots of... The Bible describes it all. Here you go. There's, uh, there's James down there at the bottom. <laughs> just for, like a, for scale. Made out of different types of gold. Um, likely, in fact... So the, the Babylonians, they invaded uh, Israel... 
they destroyed the temple, they took all the gold, and it's probably the gold that they made the statue out of was all the gold that they stole off the Israelites in the first place. And they made this gold statue of the king and uh, set it up and stood it before everyone. So what we've got here is the Israelites who are in a land that is not theirs, and they have got this big distraction against their commitment. They are supposed to be committed to their God, Yahweh, God of Israel, the God that we worship, but now they've got this big statue in their way. I'm going to carry on. The herald loudly proclaimed, Nations, people of every language, this is what you are commanded to do. As soon as you hear the sound of the trumpets, you must fall down and worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. And whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. We've got, we've got a picture of a blazing furnace. I don't know if uh, anyone fancies jumping in there. So what we've got, so to recap, we've got a big distraction, and now we've got a threat of punishment. So we've got the Israelites trying to be, they're already in trouble because they've been moved to, the, uh, to this new, the new land, and now they've got the child to worship something else, and if you don't, we're going to punish you. So therefore, verse 7, therefore, as soon as they heard the sound, everyone fell down and worshipped the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Now, when I read this, I, I, a little kind of thing came to my mind. I was like, what, what did that mean? What does that mean to worship an image? Because we talk about worship sometimes. Sometimes I think about worship. I'm like, we, sing, we come to church and we sing some songs and, and that's worship. So I was kind of thinking what that might look like in that context. So what I kind of discovered was worship is an act of devotion. Uh, directed towards something that you would consider supernatural or divine, and it may, evolve, it may involve adoration, praise, praying to that thing, not so much an emotion, but a show of devotion to this thing. So these guys are all falling down, worship the statue, devoting themselves. We're not quite sure like how you can devote yourself to a piece of gold, but okay. Um, <clears throat> so, But what, what is clear to me in this passage, is that everyone just did it and didn't really question it. So you've got the, a big distraction, you've got a threat of punishment, and you've got everyone else is doing it. So all these signs kind of point to, well, I'll probably just go along with that then. Reading on from verse 8. At this time, some astrologers... Your Bible might say some Chaldeans came, came forward and denounced the Jews. These were, not, these were another people group that were part of Babylon that were not Jews. So there's probably a little bit of rivalry that they'd both, their land had been attacked and the Jews' land had been attacked. And now they're all together. So they probably didn't like each other very much. And they said to King Nebuchadnezzar, May the king live forever. They probably spoke more like this. Yeah. May the king live forever. <laughs> Because, <laughs> may the king live forever. Your majesty has issued a decree that everyone 
who hears the sound of the hoop and the, the horn and the flute and the lyre and the harp and all kinds of music must fall down and worship the image of gold. And whoever does not should be thrown into a blazing furnace. Did you not say that, king? Now, it's come to our attention that some Jews are not doing what you said. I don't, I don't know if I should continue this silly voice. <laughs> I might go on a few more verses. <laughs> there are some Jews whom you have set over the affairs of Babylon, or set over the affairs of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Abednego. Actually, the names were Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael was their real names. And they pay no attention to you, kingy. They neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold you have set up. <laughs> so this feels to me like a bit of unprovoked beef. They're kind of, they've seen these guys are not doing the right thing, so they're, they're telling on them. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego give you a little bit of a backstory to them. The book is named Daniel. Daniel had previously, in chapter 2, interpreted a dream for King Nebuchadnezzar, and he was so impressed that he promoted Daniel to um, the provincial governor of Babylon. So kind of one down from, from the king. And Daniel, he had some good friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and he had then appointed them as his, as his administrators. So they weren't just average guys, part of the Jew population, they had actually done very well and they were promoted themselves. So it was quite visible that they weren't doing what they had been told to do. They were, I mean, I can't imagine that they made a big deal about it. They were just kind of like, mm, no, I'm not going to do that. They were just trying to do their job and they were trying to honor God. As probably most of us are. We're not trying to make a massive scene. We're trying to do our jobs well. We're trying to love people well. We're trying to honor God. We're not trying to do lots of big, obvious, anti-culture things. But we, are, we do have our truth that we are committed to. Have you noticed that apart from God, people like to build themselves up by knocking other people down? How backwards we know that really is. Um, so reading on from verse 13, furious, furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and he said to them, is it true that you do not serve my gods and worship the image of gold I have set up? So he's, he's coming across quite reasonable. Let's just double check. He had previously said immediately thrown into the blazing fire, but he's clearly got a little bit of leniency here. Is it true, if, if you are ready, if, if you're ready, guys, to fall down and worship the image, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into the blazing fire. Then, listen to this line, then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? There. Their response is great. I wonder how many of us would come up with a response like this. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, 
we do not need to defend ourselves to you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing fire, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, is able to, and he will deliver us from you. But even if he doesn't, we want you to know, your majesty, we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. We know he is able to, and he will deliver us from you. But even if not, we will not do what you asked us to do. We know that that is wrong. How steadfast are you in your faith to be able to say something like that? These guys knew how to be steadfast. They had made their choice. They had chosen their allegiance. They were unwavering, even under the threat of death. I also like to believe that they remained respectful. They explained their position. They didn't try to compromise or coexist or say, hey, but we can, we can still do all of these things together. They were steadfast and they were definitive. What you are doing is wrong. We shall have no part in it. I like to think maybe they did a mic drop and walked out afterwards. I don't know. Um, so let me, let me give you a bit more of the story. Verse 19. Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and his attitude towards them changed. He ordered the furnace to be heated seven times hotter than usual, which in Bible talk is as hot as possible, and commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie them up and throw them into the blazing furnace. So these men, wearing their robes, trousers, turbans, and their other clothes, were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. The king's command was so urgent and the furnace so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. The end. I mean, it's not really the end, but even if it was the end, these guys have done incredible. They have remained steadfast. They have committed. They have decided. They have said yes to God and no to the king. They have stayed steadfast. They have acknowledged the massive distraction. They have not been deterred by the threat of punishment, and they have ignored the fact that everyone else is doing it. They've said, no, everyone is making a bad choice. I'm going to make this choice. Even if I die today, that is the choice that I know is the right choice to make. I wonder what our distractions are. What are the things that are pulling us away from deciding. Bearing in mind, these guys have already um, been taken out of their land and moved across. So the reason for that was um, the Jews 
were the God's chosen people, and they had conquered all this land, but over time, they had lost their way, and they had had a series of bad kings, and they had other gods and other peoples in their land, in which God had specifically told them, don't worship those gods, but they'd kind of been like, we're going to do it anyway. And James last week made a really great point about if things are not going your way, it's not because God is punishing you or because he's mad at you. It's, it's because he's allowing you to face the consequences of your choices. I am a dad. I have two little girls. And obviously, I don't want them to get hurt. But it is important that I allow them to face the natural consequences of their choices because that is how we grow and learn. And that is the right thing for us. I like to think as far as I'm able to, that I'm a good dad. God is the good father, and he allows us to find the consequence of our actions. So these guys had been disloyal, disobedient, and as a result, God had allowed the Babylonians to take over their land. I mean, you can read the whole of the New Testament. There's a lot of great stuff. It's, it's way more complicated than that. The Old Testament, sorry. Um, so... There was already this dynamic going on for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego even before they were told to worship this, this image. And I imagine a lot of the Jews in Babylon would just be like, okay, here we go. Well, we've been doing this for years anyway, so we're just going to bow to that. <clears throat> so I, I wonder what is, what is the distraction that you guys kind of fall into the trap of? And what is the the punishment that perhaps you, you, you are considering, or real or unreal, if you, if you uh, follow that distraction. So to give you an example, sometimes I try and do my, my quiet time, I'm reading my Bible, and I get distracted with checking the football highlights. <laughs> and so, so that, that's my distraction, if you like, in, in this metaphor, that's, that's the image. I know it's there. And the threat of punishment for me is, mm, yeah, but if I don't watch the football highlights, then when I see my friends later on, they're going to ask me about how, what I felt about the football. And I have to be able to give them the answer. I can't say, oh, I, no, I haven't watched the football highlights, right? So that's, 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 that's my own thing. That's what I'm working through. The threat is clearly not as bad as getting thrown into a blazing fire of fiery furnace, but... Uh, but in which case, the threat is so much lower. Why is it still a thing? Why is the distraction still up, up there as well? It should, be, it should be not a thing. There's a really good uh, verse in Colossians. This is... Uh, Colossians is in the New Testament. I'm skipping to the New Testament. So there's a guy called Paul, and uh, he had this incredible encounter with, with Jesus. After Jesus had, had, had been born, he'd lived his life, he'd been crucified, he'd come back to life, he'd spent some time with his apostles, and now he's gone up to heaven and he's given what we call the Great Commission, which is the big task that he gave all of the Christians at the time. Go and tell the gospel to everyone. And shortly after that, there's a guy called Paul, and uh, he had this incredible encounter, and as a result, planted a lot of churches and wrote lots of letters to them. So a, a portion of the New Testament is made up of these letters that Paul wrote to the churches that he had planted, giving them all kinds of encouragement and guidance. So one of the letters is Colossians, 
Uh, so I'm going to read to you a little bit. Chapter 1, verse 15. <clears throat> the Son, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. And then jumping down to verse 19. For God was pleased to have all of his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, making peace through his blood shed on the cross. That's kind of a summary of the gospel story. So to continue for verse 21. Once, once you, that's us, were alienated from God, were enemies in your mind because of your evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. He said earlier, without, without blemish, completely pure. If, this is the clincher, if you continue in your faith established and firm and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you have heard and have been proclaimed to every creature under heaven. Paul is making one thing clear to us in this statement here. The only way that you can have the hope of reconciliation is if you have faith that is certain to the end. That you have made a choice, that you have stuck with it, you've said yes and you meant yes, and you have remained steadfast even if you don't want to or other people don't want you to. There is a little bit more of this. It wasn't really the end. I'm just going to, I'll conclude the story for you. Then Nebuchadnezzar, they've just been thrown into the fiery furnace. Then Nebuchadnezzar leapt to his feet in amazement. And he asked his advisors, weren't there three men that I threw into the fire? They replied, yes, your majesty. And he said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound, unharmed. And the fourth looks like a son of the gods. Hallelujah. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace, where the guys are probably still dead, but they just died there, and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, servants of the Most High God. He's changed his tune quite quickly. Come out, come out here. So they came out, and all of the governors saw them and saw that the fire had not harmed them, nor was a hair on their head singed. Their robes were not scorched, and there was no smell of fire on them. Going back to Colossians that I just read. Remember it said, holy in his sight, without blemish, and free from accusation. And Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angels and rescued his servants. They trusted in him, defied the king's command, and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own. Therefore, he's pretty fickle, he changes his mind a lot. I decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be cut into pieces and their houses turned into piles of rubble. So maybe he hasn't changed that much, but he did change his mind towards God, so that's good. No other God can save in this way. 
So he's still a bit of a crazy king, but he's, uh, at least he's making some semi-decent choices. And then it, the, the story ends with, Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Why? Because they remained faithful to the end. Of course, it wasn't the end, but they didn't know that at the time. There's uh, another verse that I want to read, flipping back to, to the New Testament. <clears throat> another book in the New Testament. Um, this one's from Second Peter. Peter was one of Jesus' disciples, and after Jesus uh, went back up to heaven, he wrote a few letters himself. They're also in the Bible. <clears throat> Second Peter, chapter 1. Verse 5, he's writing to the churches that he's planted as well, the Christian community. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith. This is the faith that you've already decided on. Add to your faith goodness, to goodness knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection Love, all of which are clearly demonstrated in the story in Daniel 3 that we read. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things... You will never stumble. You will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. That is what we're looking forward to. A rich welcome into the kingdom of our Lord and Savior. got a clock here, but I have a couple more verses that I just want to throw out for you guys. Some more verses. This is to encourage you to be steadfast. Here's some verses for you. First Kings chapter 8. This was Solomon's prayer. This was 500 years before the story of Daniel that we read, Solomon's prayer, when he built the temple. As This is what he prayed in, dele- in dedication. <clears throat> May your hearts be fully committed to the Lord our God to live by his decrees and obey his commands as they are today. So however we feel today, this was a very monumentous occasion for these guys. How we feel today, may this be how we feel going forward and continue in that. Galatians 6 verse 9. Coincidentally, if any of you have the YouVersion Bible app, this is verse of the day as well. So it kind of, that clicked for me this morning. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. And again, Hebrews chapter 6, verses 11 and 12. And we desire that each of you share the same earnestness. The author is talking about the earnestness of the saints. That we all show the same earnestness to have the full assurance of hope when... Until the end, that you may not be sluggish, but be imitators of those who, through faith and patience, inherit the promises. If you want more reading, Hebrews chapter 11, that could be your homework this week. 
Because that talks about so many examples of people that remained faithful and steadfast right till the end. All of the, the Old Testament um, patriarchs, Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, Aaron, Joshua, Rahab. The list goes on. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are in there as well. This is, so this is kind of a, in a New Testament recap of the Old Testament. And they're kind of saying how great these, all these guys did. So have a read of Hebrews 11 this week. That's your homework. I'm not going to read it all now. But in closing, make a choice. As much as it depends on you, decide. Finish your course. Arrive on time. Marry the girl. Be there for your kids. Honor your date night. Come to church on time. Do what you said you were going to do. Commit to making disciples of all nations. We're aiming for one million people. (laughs) Sometimes it will be hard. Sometimes you won't want to do it. Or something else looks better. Or you got invited to a party. But you already said you were going to do something else. (laughs) Commit to what you said you were going to do. The harder gotten reward of commitment is better than the instant gratification of bowing to the idol. We sang earlier this morning, weak made strong. I am weak. You are weak. You are susceptible to all these distractions. With God, we are strong and we can commit. Are you going to follow Jesus or not? And if you have decided to, are you going to be steadfast in that? It is not too late. Commit. Thank you, Adam, for the powerful truth shared. I know the story just goes very quickly when we were growing up, but when it is given into details of how they were committed and through the fire, literal fire. And I just want to say that whatever you have received, the word, the the scriptures, just dwell on that. And And for me, the takeaway would be definitely the choices we make, the commitment we have, the steadfastness we have, and God is faithful and able to take us through everything. So shall we just pray? Heavenly Father, we just thank you for the word released, Lord. We thank you that when we have a choice to invite you, Jesus, in our life, that we are committed in that way, and that we are steadfast no matter what comes our way. And when we go through that, you are faithful, and you are always going to see us through because, Jesus, you reign victorious. Father, we thank you for the great generals and examples which we have, and we receive everything because the Bible is the truth. We just thank you for this word release. And anyone who has a doubt in his heart today, we just pray that you help them commit and recommit and to work and steadfast in the word of God and the place you have called them into in the kingdom of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you very much. for this beautiful day. Have a wonderful week coming through.
and we will see you next week here. Don't forget to pick up your kids and cookies and coffees. You just have the fellowship time is open right now. God bless you guys, everyone. Thank you.